is WWTC Minneapolis St. Paul FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis Intelligent Radio With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. It is official now. President Biden today signing the debt ceiling bill. Passing this budget agreement was critical. The stakes could not have been higher. If we had failed to reach an agreement on the budget, there were extreme voices threatening to take America for the first time in our 247-year history into default. United States and allies clashing verbally with Russia and China. That over North Korea's failed launch of a military spy satellite this week in violation of a number of U.N. Security Council resolutions. Authorities in India have found no more survivors in the overturned wreckage of two passenger trains that derailed, killing more than 280 people. It's one of the worst rail crashes in decades. Authorities say more than 900 have been injured. This is SRN News. Mike Gallagher explains the real truth. Only in the delusional loony left's world is an effort to remove a curriculum that involves teaching that America is a filthy, racist, wretched place. Only in the NAACP's world is that an effort to erase black history, which of course tells you all you need to know about what the NAACP thinks about the United States. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 8 on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. More of Mitchburg straight ahead here on what's going to be a weekend of scattered thunderstorms, but only about a 30 to 10 to 20 percent chance so it's going to kind of come and go and that'll be that 90s the expected high today 67 the overnight low and then for tomorrow we'll get to around 91 minnesota the only state where you go from 20 below and 90 in one month portions of this program may have been pre-recorded the views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. <laughs> now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the show that says us, bring us your tired, huddled masses yearning to see red. The show making talk radio great again. And no, I'm not Mitch Berg. That's a terrible Mitch Berg imitation. No, there uh, there are no good Mitch Berg's imitation. Nothing can uh, outdo the original, that is for sure. Uh, Mitch away on assignment is me, Brad Carlson, filling in on the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for comments or questions. And don't forget our live stream is up and running at our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. So we hope you check us out there. And as always, we thank you for tuning in. Want to uh, talk some presidential politics now. Of course, the uh, GOP primary uh, is taking place. It sounds as though former New, Jer- New Jersey Governor Chris Christie is going to declare he's running for the GOP nominee uh, next week. And Mike Pence, former vice president, obviously to uh, uh, President Donald Trump, uh, Pence will be announcing next week as well. So the field is definitely uh, getting expanded. 
it's going to be interesting to see how it's going forth. But thus far, uh, Donald Trump has only been able to focus his ire on uh, Ron DeSantis. And if you thought Trump was going to be uh, more substantive and insightful and working on policy prescriptions more than he did in 2020 and 2016, uh, I'm sorry to inform you that's not taking shape. Again, that's not a very high bar to clear. Uh, 2016, you know, there were there were some specific issues, whether it, regard, whether it was regarding trade or, or the border, what have you, where, you know, Trump was willing to engage. It may not have been the most insightful rhetoric you heard, but he at least talked about those issues. And then, of course, 2020, he was dogged by COVID and posting little gifts on social media of mocking Joe Biden, his opponent, and all that other stuff. And it's devolved even worse. I talked about this on my show last week. Donald Trump, uh, his uh, political action committee, spent more has spent more in attacking Ron DeSantis than the five key U.S. Senate races in 2022 combined. And not so coincidentally, four of his five hand-picked candidates lost their U.S. Senate races, and thus Republicans lost a golden opportunity to take over the majority in the U.S. Senate. So, you know, again, I, I don't need to go over ad nauseum how I'm um, never voting for Trump in any capacity ever again. You know, and, me, and people may accuse me of just piling on at this point, and, and, and that's fine. But uh, I, I am interested to hear from the cultists. Is, you know, is this is this okay for, with you? That he just lobs insults, doesn't engage on anything substantive? Because we're seeing the repercussions of horrible leadership in Washington. And how you have a current president who I call the walking cadaver in the White House, Joe Biden, that can't, I mean, they, they, they can never ha- schedule any appearances on weekends, and it's pretty much restricted from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and there are some days where he's calling a lid like at noon. Okay? So is there, we realize the seriousness of needing normalcy back in the White House, and again, 2016 was more of Let's shake things up. We need a shakeup of the establishment, whether it's establishment Republicans, establishment, you know, uh, Democrats, you know, let's get rid of the old guard, finally sweep the Clintons out of their political dynasty once and for all. And and let's try this Donald Trump guy, you know, and I and I was kind of on board with with Dennis Prager's theory. His his theory was that, look, I don't support Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee. However, if he is a Republican nominee in 2016, I'll, I'll vote for him over Hillary Clinton because I have I, I I have no idea if Donald Trump will be a good or bad president. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt Hillary Clinton would be a terrible president. So therefore, I'd vote for Trump. And you know what? I ended up taking that tactic as, as much as I opposed Donald Trump and as much as I was planning on leaving the presidential race blank on my ballot in 2016. Uh, something came over me in the voting booth and said, OK, I'll, I'll vote for Trump. My vote here in Minnesota is not really consequential anyways because a Republican hasn't won this state since 1972 when it was Richard Nixon and definitely will not this time. So, okay, I'll vote for Trump. Well, turns out Trump got within like one and a half points of Hillary Clinton winning the state. That would have been just unbelievable had that happened. It didn't happen. But uh, so my point is I was willing to take that tactic. But after everything that has happened with him over 
you know, during his administration and in the aftermath of his 2020 loss, I was done with him. I, I was done with him. I, I, I'm not interested in anything more he has to say. However, because I have a radio show where I opine and Donald Trump, whether we like it or not, and I don't like it, is the it leads in a lot of polls for the Republican nomination. We have to bring up a lot of the things he's talking about and how he could be more incoherent and more disjointed and more just kooky than in 2020. I'll never know. And the biggest example of that took place this past week when Kaylee McEnany, who was Trump's press secretary for the final however long a year or two of his term, and stood at the podium and took a tremendous amount of shots from the White House press corps. And she did not back down. She deflected every criticism, every argument. She, You could dare say she was combative if you want to say that that's a proper role for a press secretary or not, whatever. But the point is, is that she fervently defended the Trump administration, which is press secretary's job. And it's a thankless job because... A lot of times, particularly in the Biden administration, Jen Psaki and Karine Jean-Pierre, you know, it's the proverbial trying to put a lipstick on a pig. Jen Psaki, to her credit, she she could lie with impunity and was good at it. Karine Jean-Pierre is, a ho- is horrible. She's a gaslighter. Okay? So it's a thankless job. I, I concede that. But Kaylee McEnany did it and did it well. Well, her great sin is a fact that she's no longer bending the knee. It's not that she's anti-Trump. It's she's a Florida resident and had the audacity to say that Ron DeSantis actually is a competent governor. But her grave sin was citing a uh, poll that showed Donald Trump was up by 25 points. Well, Donald Trump took exception to that, and here's what he said on his Truth Social. Uh, Kaylee Milktoast McEnany, he spelled milk toast wrong. Just gave out the wrong poll numbers on Fox News. I am 34 points up on DeSanctimonious, not 25 up. While 25 is great, it's not 34. She knew the number was corrected upwards by the group that did that poll. The rhinos and globalists can have her. Fox News should use only real stars. Is he honest to God pitching a fit over his former press secretary? one of his most loyal and fervent defenders in his administration and of his administration, over the fact she said he was only up 25 instead of 34, he's honestly making hay out of that? Trump called us. I got to ask you again. If he is going to be so, if, spew such blind rage over somebody citing a poll incorrectly, How in God's name can you expect this person to be fit for office? And he's not fit for office. He's not. His last year showed that. He would have coasted to re-election had there been no pandemic. I could see that. He would coast to re-election if there would have been no pandemic because things were going well economically. But unfortunately, the pandemic cratered that. And again, he had to make a lot of decisions based on something that was an unknown. And he had to get guidance from the National Institute of Health and particularly doctors Fauci and Burks. I don't fault him for that early on. I don't. 
There may be a lot of people that are pigpiling upon Trump for a lot of his concessions early on in the pandemic. I'm not one of them. But as time went on, certainly there were things, successes he could point to in Georgia and, dare I say, Florida, that he could have said, okay, we're going to start, I think on a national level, start easing restrictions. Certainly I, I, the purview is up to the governors, but uh, we, we can maybe start easing some of these restrictions here a little bit because, yeah, we we, we have to – be careful regarding this pandemic and what we know about it. And of course there's a great unknown, but I also think the response to this could potentially be worse in terms of kids suffering education and and mental health issues and not being able to get preventative care and all that other stuff. I mean, these were issues that were being discussed in real time, very early in the pandemic. So this isn't a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacking and hindsight and all that. No, this was being discussed in real time in April and May a month or two into the pandemic. Absolutely it was. So I, I, it's very obvious that if this is what he's focusing on, these petty grievances with DeSantis, and by the way, uh, you know you've crapped the bed when Andrew Cuomo is embracing Trump's bromance. Uh, Andrew Cuomo took to Twitter and said, well, Donald Trump tells the truth finally. New York got hit first and worst with COVID, but New Yorkers acted responsibly. Florida's policy of denial allowed COVID to spread, and that's why they had a very large second wave. But if you're talking about the overall death toll, it's a negligible difference. And that's with Florida largely avoiding draconian lockdowns, whereas New York was hit terribly. And if you want to discuss the aftermath, if you want to have a discussion about the aftermath of how states fared in the aftermath of their COVID response, you know, death toll, that's a pretty negligible comparison. It's pretty similar to the death tolls between Florida and New York. But again, the difference is Florida didn't completely shut down. New York did. And what about the aftermath of kids' education in New York compared to Florida? What about the aftermath of mental health issues? in New York compared to Florida. You want to have that debate, Governor Cuomo? We can have it. Same with uh, Governor Greaseball out in California, Gavin Newsom. Yeah, their death rate may have been uh, a little lower on scale, but again, you want to compare the aftermath in terms of uh, uh, mental health, kids' education? You want to have that debate? Because I guarantee you, if Joe Biden isn't able to go forward in 2024 to be the candidate and it's a free-for-all, guarantee you Gavin Newsom's going to jump in the race. And that's a debate I know that uh, DeSantis would love to have. In fact, uh, let me. there was a study that uh, Wall Street Journal had cited about it ranked Florida 28th in mortality in the middle of the pack, about the same as California, which ranks 27th, despite its far more stringent lockdowns and school closures. But Florida ranks third for the least education loss and 13th in economic performance, whereas California ranks 47th overall because its shutdowns crushed the economy, uh, 40th in in-person school, dead last, 50th. In other words, Florida did about average on mortality as other states, but it did far better in protecting its citizens from severe economic harm and its children from lost schooling. New York, whose former governor Andrew Cuomo was celebrated as a COVID hero, ranks 49th. 
Albany, severe and overlong economic shutdown, 48th, and no payoff in mortality, 47th. Quad era demonstrated. Oh, by the way, uh, Donald Trump, longtime resident of New York, permanently left New York a couple of years ago. Where did he move to permanently? That would be Florida. Yet, Florida was such COVID hell, and New York, under Andrew Cuomo, this apparently uh, exemplary COVID leadership, yet Donald Trump chose to flow uh, to, to flee the paradise that was New York to the hellhole that is Florida. I mean, the way he's talking about Florida now, why, why did he move there if it's such an unsafe place? So it's clearly, it's very clear that Trump is just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And again, the cultists are going to go along with this. The Trump cultists, the only Trumpers, again, Trump could literally shoot someone on uh, on Fifth Avenue and not suffer any consequences. Remember he said that in 2016? I- I'm afraid that's a literal statement. I'm afraid that's literally true. The cultists would stick by him. But guess what? Those who are more inclined to support Trump uh, and hang with him, because they may have felt that he's uh, of the grievances against him, uh, I guarantee that floor is 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 falling out from underneath him because there is no one outside, not even the cultists believe it, but again, the cultists are going to be loyal to him. But there is no one who believes Cuomo's response to COVID was better than DeSantis. No one reasonable anyways, except progs. And guess what? Progressives are not going to vote for Donald Trump. If this is Donald Trump's way of trying to expand his base for a general election, I got news for you. The progressives still ain't going to vote for you, Trump. So A for effort, I guess. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. And we do have our live stream up and running at our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Again, check us out there. Brad Carlson in for the headliner, Mitch Berg on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back in mere moments. Go nowhere. From South St. Paul to Southeast Asia and Little Canada to regular-sized Canada, we're where you are. Listen anytime, anywhere at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Are you looking for trusted insight and knowledge on how the eyes reflect the connection between health, lifestyle, sports, and nutrition? Tune into my show, Open Your Eyes Radio, Saturday at 9 a.m. with me, Dr. Kerry Gell. I'm an optometrist with more than three decades of experience, a keen interest in longevity and lifestyle, with a never-ending focus on the four basic principles of health, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, and sleep. Listen and learn with me every Saturday at 9 a.m. here on AM 1280, The Patriot. Master Pool and Spa. Master Pool and Spa's huge truckload sale. Save up to 26 to 51%. Come in and we'll prove to you we have the best products at the lowest possible price. Master Pool and Spa is Minnesota's largest spa dealer. We have the largest selection at unbeatable prices. Drive a little and save a lot. Some of our clients have driven hundreds of miles because the deals are that good. Master Pool and Spa's huge truckload sale. It only happens once a year. 
Save up to 26 to 51%. Free delivery and trade-ins welcome. 18-month interest-free financing. This is a limited-time offer. Master Pool and Spa. Visit us today at 394 in Louisiana in St. Louis Park. Look for the big blue sign. Check us out online at masterpoolandspa.com. Masterpoolandspa.com. Or call us at 952-253-0665. That's 952-253-0665. For adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, poor candidates for systemic or phototherapy, now there's SkyRizzy. Rizinkizumab Rizza, a prescription-only 150-milligram injection. With SkyRizzy, three out of four people achieve 90% clear skin at four months. And SkyRizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Nothing in me go Don't use if allergic to Skyrizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. Whether you're preparing for a typical Sunday morning or a special holiday service, you'll find an array of helpful, creative tools from Worship House Media. From countdown timers to sermon illustrations, visit WorshipHouseMedia.com. That's WorshipHouseMedia.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks always for tuning in. As I am uh, uh, actually on the headliner edition of the NARN today, of course, Mitch Berg is away on assignment, but don't worry, he'll be in for me tomorrow from 1 to 3 p.m. And immediately following this program, as per usual, Jack Tomzak in with the Jack Tomzak Show from 3 to 5. And don't forget to check out our uh, sister station, AM 1440, The Biz. That's Saturdays, 9 to 11 a.m. for the King Banyan Show. I dare say the country's finest and most insightful show on economics. Uh, I actually listened to King's show live uh, on the way down. Or actually, maybe it was a pre-recorded show. But whatever was playing from 9 to 11, it was King Banyan's voice. And I was uh, I was listening along. So uh, we appreciate you tuning in to our various programs. And again, here to take your phone calls, 651-289-4488. And again, hashtag Narn Show if you want to weigh in via Twitter. And don't forget we have the live stream up and running at our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Uh, Gary from War Road weighs in. Uh, Gary caught Ron DeSantis' speech down in Cedar Rapids, and Gary was a fan, so I appreciate that, Gary. I, I, I did not check that out, but I will have to check that out uh, at some point. So we are uh, talking uh, presidential uh, politics here, uh, last segment, I'll continue this segment, but I do want to get to a uh, phone call quick on line one. Bob is in Shoreview. Bob, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, sir. Go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, isn't this the real question? Uh, doesn't it all boil down to are we willing to put up with President Trump's quirks and personality flaws because he's a brawler from New York City? But, and, but he's uh, an effect. What he did was so effective as a president. And, uh, you know, are we can we overlook his personality flaws? And will Ron DeSantis, even though he's more normal or more polished, let's say, will he be as effective as President Trump was? To me, that seems to be the vital question in the primaries. 
Yeah, it's an excellent question, uh, Bob. Obviously, thanks for the call. I, I, I mean, I can only speak for myself, and I've been very outspoken about how I feel about it. And I think if you, you know, the one question I always ask uh, the cultists is, how do you expect Trump to win a general election without Georgia and Florida? Because of or not um, Georgia and Arizona, he'd win Florida. But how do you expect him to win an election without winning Georgia and Arizona? He barely won those states in 2016 and then lost those states in 2020, despite the cultists saying they were stolen from him. They were not. He lost. So if you're a Republican presidential candidate and you can't win Georgia and Arizona, how can you the, that that is a very, very narrow path. Then you have to get states like Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania back in the fold. And that's a tall order. Trump was able to pull that off in 2016, did not pull it off in 2020. So, again, that's that's my question is uh, I don't think that he can win a general election. You know, and that's what we got to look to. Yeah, he could probably win the Republican primary and may well do so. But, again, everybody has to ask those questions for themselves. And here's the thing. uh, I don't know. I think there were a lot of Republicans that were disaffected by uh, his the last year of his administration, particularly his response to covid and everything surrounding that. So there are a lot of uh, questions he's going to have to answer, but he's too busy taking shots and coming up with new nicknames for Ron DeSantis and, and all that stuff. So I guess there are more important issues than addressing um, substantive policy. So we shall see. But thanks for the call, Bob. We appreciate it. Uh, I did want to get to uh, Chris Christie apparently is going to be jumping into the uh, presidential race. This is from nationalreview.com. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie expected to announce his entry into the 2024 Republican presidential primary as soon as next week, according to multiple reports. Christie is expected to formally enter the race next Tuesday, June 6th, during a town hall discussion held at St. Anselm College, a liberal arts school in New Hampshire. The former governor plans on running a, quote, non-traditional campaign that is highly focused on earned media, mixing it up in the news cycle and engaging Trump, close quote, uh, will not be geographic dependent, but nimble. So the one thing that I wondered is, okay, who is Chris Christie trying to make the Republican nominee? Who is he trying to make, uh, who, you know, for whom is he playing kingmaker? Because I I dare say uh, he's not going to be the nominee. His time has long passed. He was one of the most popular governors in the country back in 2012, which was in the second half of his first term as New Jersey governor. And I remember uh, hoping that he would jump in the race. Now, there are a lot of policy issues that I quibble with, but at the time, I just wanted to win. You know, I wanted to defeat Barack Obama. I didn't want Barack Obama to be reelected. And if Chris Christie is a guy who could who could defeat him, great. You know, there were a lot of policy issues that I, you know, that I took issue with. Like, for instance, you know, he's pretty uh, progressive on some social issues. And obviously, the gun issue wasn't as big a deal to me back then as it is now. But, yeah, he there were a lot of question marks regarding his stance on guns. But my rationale was, okay, the Republicans control one chamber of Congress. Back then, they had the majority in the House, but not the Senate. So there's not that that. You know, I I can overlook that issue because it won't be broached in a divided Congress. But 
Christie was very conservative fiscally, but very progressive socially. But again, my thing was, I, I just want to win. Now, it turned out to be moot because he didn't get in the race in 2012 and his time had passed him by. And he decided to focus on running for reelection to as New Jersey governor, and he won with like 60% of the vote. I mean, a Republican in New Jersey that gets 60% of the vote ain't going to be a rib rock conservative. I mean, let's just be honest. So I think that's kind of what he's looking to here. But my question is, is he looking to be a kingmaker? Because you remember in 2016, he got on the Trump bandwagon. And what he did is he kind of he, he kind of was the murder-suicide candidate where he uh, where the murder victim, rhetorically speaking, of course, was Marco Rubio. And it also torpedoed Chris Christie's own presidential prospects, and then he got jumped on Team Trump. And I'll never forget, it was Super Tuesday of 2016 where Donald Trump was giving a speech after he won a number of states, and he was saying crazy Trump things as he's wont to do. And Chris Christie had this look behind him like, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Now, again, I get it. Chris Christie, his resting face, uh, uh, he always looks like that. But it was just funny in context because Trump was saying these incredibly goofy, disjointed things. And Chris Christie had this look as if to say, what? What is he saying? What's he trying to say? And obviously, Chris Christie now regrets his support for Donald Trump because he is trying to provide a significant alternative to Trump. So those debates are going to be something uh, if Trump even participates. Now, Trump has signaled that he doesn't want to participate in the GOP primary debates because he thinks he's above that because he thinks this uh, nomination is his birthright. Okay, so he may not participate. Who's to say? But I think ultimately he will, because Trump, uh, his biggest nightmare is being in a room with a TV camera and trying to sit in front of the camera and the camera constantly shifting away from him. That would be Trump's biggest nightmare. So there's no way that he would avoid the the publicity that these debates would bring. He doesn't care if it's good, bad or indifferent. He just wants the publicity. He wants the camera. So. Uh, I don't know that Chris Christie is going to be a henchman for anyone. Some have considered that maybe Ron DeSantis would make him attorney general if DeSantis were elected, but he's been openly critical of DeSantis's Disney stance, so I don't think that's very plausible. But we shall see. Brad Carlson in for the headliner, Mitch Berg, and the Northern Alliance Radio Network, back in mere moments with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Master Pool and Spa. Master Pool and Spa's huge truckload sale. Save up to 26 to 51%. Come in and we'll prove to you we have the best products at the lowest possible price. Master Pool and Spa is Minnesota's largest spa dealer. We have the largest selection at unbeatable prices. Drive a little and save a lot. Some of our clients have driven hundreds of miles because the deals are that good. Master Pool and Spa's huge truckload sale. It only happens once a year. Save up to 26 to 51%. Free delivery and trade-ins welcome. 18-month interest refinancing. This is a limited-time offer. Master Pool and Spa. Visit us today at 394 in Louisiana and St. Louis Park. Look for the big blue sign. Check us out online at masterpoolandspa.com. Masterpoolandspa.com. Or call us at 952-253-0665. That's 952-253-0665. 
Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-504-1123. 800-504-1123. That's 800-504-1123. I remember when we found out we were expecting you and we were so surprised. You were? Yep, but then we heard your heartbeat and knew you were going to change our lives. What happened after that? Well, you grew and grew in my tummy. You started kicking, sucking your thumb, and even making a fist. No wonder I was a surprise. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Hey, welcome back. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, with me, Brad Carlson, filling in for the headliner, Mitch Berg. Mitch will be in for me tomorrow in my normal time slot, one to three p.m. on Sunday. But in the meantime, hey, we're here to take your phone call six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. You can also weigh in via Twitter hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show for comments or questions. And again, we have our live stream up and running at our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. If you'd like to give us a like or a follow on that page and maybe even leave a comment or question on the uh, comment thread, you are certainly more than welcome to do so. Going to take a transition now and uh, talk about uh, some new books out there on the market. And uh, joining us now is Robert Delahunty, who is a fellow at the Claremont Institute Center for the American Way of Life in Washington, D.C., uh, he held the Lejeune Chair of Law at the University of St. Thomas Law School right here in Minneapolis until his retirement and has published widely in constitutional law. Uh, Mr. Delahunty served in the U.S. Department of Justice for 17 years and was Deputy General Counsel in the White House Office of Homeland Security, currently residing in southwestern Utah. Uh, we're having Mr. Delahunty on today because he is a co-author, along with John Yu, of a new book coming out entitled the Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. Obviously, the Supreme Court's been making a lot of headlines over the past year, particularly in light of some key decisions that were handed down last summer and what seems like uh, the Democrats in Congress uh, continued war to undermine the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. So we'll talk about those issues uh, and this book with the aforementioned uh, Robert Delahunty. Uh, Mr. Delahunty, an honor to have you on the broadcast today, sir. How are oh, you? Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be able to chat with you and your listeners about our new book. 
So I guess uh, looking at the title, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court, uh, I guess first an obvious question, Robert Delahunty, what makes it politically incorrect? <laughs> well, I guess the thing is we generally agree with the direction and decisions of the Supreme Court, and that puts us in a distinct minority among law professors and lawyers. Uh, you know, there's a kind of avalanche right now of opposition to the current Supreme Court in Congress and in the major media and from the Biden administration. And uh, often people are misled. They're given misinformation about what the court has done or about the ethics of the individual justices. So one of our aims is to set the record straight and to explain and defend uh, the most controversial decisions the court made last year uh, and to um, um, show that the nine justices are intelligent, hardworking, and uh, highly honorable people. Now, I, I, I imagine Mr. Delahunty, as someone uh, very stout in the legal profession with a legal background that you have, that has to be kind of a, a, a very frustrating thing for you to witness and listen to some of the uh, chanting points, if you will, coming out about the court, uh, specifically talking about the decisions they're making. It's all, I mean, when I hear people talk about the court, it's almost as if they're treating the court like some sort of shadow legislature, which has never been its intent, uh, Robert Delahunty. Absolutely. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, when the Dobbs decision came out last year, that was a case involving abortion. Uh, you could, the media was splashed with headlines, basically leading you to think, that the Supreme Court had banned abortion. Right. Nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. It simply returned the matter where it belonged to the states and to the people, to the voters. It got the federal courts out of the business of making these policy decisions. Yeah, and, and that's an excellent point because uh, the one aspect that uh, you know, a lot of commentators would point to is, and I forget who she was conducting the interview with, but uh, the late uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg even she, while as as pro-choice as uh, any as any radical feminist could be, even she had quibbles with how this uh, the Roe case was uh, decided back in 1973. And yet, people, I I, I don't know if it's selective hearing or maybe they uh, don't take her didn't take her words at face value in that particular uh, aspect of it. But she at least focused on the legal aspect of it and left the uh, moral decision aside from it, which even though you may disagree with a lot of her decisions, certainly was admirable on her part. And she wasn't alone in that. There's a long line of distinguished liberal or left-leaning legal scholars um, who took a similar view of the Roe v. Wade decision. My old teacher at Harvard Law School, John Hart Ely, um, was one of the first out of the box to condemn the quality of the reasoning in Roe v. Wade. This is not something new. This is something that Scholars have been saying right and left, and sometimes justices, uh, since Roe was decided in 1973. And one of the arguments that we hear, and I guess how, how I don't know how this is reconciled. I mean, you have uh, justices on the court now that are originalists. They, you know, Justice Scalia was a great example of this. You know, he was as a if you want, for lack of a better phrase, radical as a religion originalist as there was. The Constitution says what it says, and it doesn't say 
what it doesn't say. And then you have those like a Justice Breyer was notorious for this, being someone who emphasized, well, no, this is the, the document. It's a it's a living, breathing document. You know, when the founders wrote the First Amendment, they didn't account for the uh, the Internet. And when they wrote the Second Amendment, they didn't account for these uh, what is being dubbed as weapons of war or, or, or assault weapons. So how do you how do you reconcile the two, those who look at the court and the Constitution as originalists and those who decide who, who are of the opinion that the Constitution is a living, breathing document, Robert Delahunty? I don't necessarily see those two positions as irreconcilable. The core of the originalist doctrine is that the law means what it was publicly understood to mean at the time it was enacted. And unless the law has been changed by legal processes of some kind, it remains the law. It's sort of self-evident, it seems to me, that when the law is made and people understand it in a certain way and the legislators understand it in a certain way and they mean it to say a certain thing and achieve certain ends, that's the law until you change it, whether if it's a statute by overriding it or if it's a constitutional provision by amending the Constitution. Mm -hmm. That still gives you plenty of flexibility because the Constitution gives the people, the voters, the federal government and the states – Plenty of flexibility in deciding how to update the statutory law. There's a lot. We're not straightjacketed in any way. Uh, We have a lot of freedom in how to uh, change with the times. One thing that uh, I, I... One sentiment that I find interesting, you know, obviously Congress uh, for, I mean, you you can go back at least a couple of decades, maybe longer. I mean, we've had Congress that has been so divided and it seemed to get more sharply divided during the the George W. Bush administration and even more so in subsequent administrations that Congress just can't seem to... uh, I don't know if it's to decide on any laws or come to any bipartisan... Uh, consensus, and it seems like a lot of things that are ultimately passed through ended up, you know, maybe going through the uh, legal branch for legal scrutiny. And someone once said, particularly, a lot of these decisions, you know, we uh, we probably have some decisions that will be announced soon, like, you know, this time last year with the Roe decision and the Bruin decision regarding the Second Amendment, is people are, like, waiting for bated breath on how the, the courts to opine. And I would think, uh, Robert Delahunty, if, uh, if our government officials wouldn't be so hell-bent on interfering in so many aspects of our lives. The Supreme Court decisions wouldn't seem like life or death. So do you think that that's why the court gets so much attention is because it, it doesn't seem like Congress is doing their job? Is that a fair assessment? Absolutely right. I mean, last year you would have thought uh, to read the press that the end of the world was coming, that we would have global warming overnight because of the Supreme Court's decision right. in a carbon emissions case, the Environmental Protection Agency versus West Virginia. That was completely wrong. Um, the Environmental Agency had simply outstripped uh, the powers that Congress had delegated to it. It was making the law basically on its own. The court corralled it. The court did not have the final word on that. It went back to Congress. If you want Mm -hmm. a more robust environmental protection agency, you go to Congress and you pass a law. But it's not up to the Supreme Court whether we have global warming or not, as some of the headlines said. It's really up to Congress what measures we take to address a problem like that. And the same thing is true again with the current EPA case, the one that was decided just about a week or so ago, case called um, Sackett versus the Environmental Protection Agency. These were landowners, small property owners in Idaho who wanted to build a house on their property. 
and the Environmental Protection Agency wouldn't let them do it. Why can't I build a house on my own property? Well, it's it's near a wetlands, and the wetlands is 30 feet or so uh, across a road from some navigable waters. Well, okay, the Supreme Court came out correctly, unanimously, in fact, nine right. to nothing, mm-hmm. in favor of the property owners. And again, the skies fell in from the left. Well, the answer is you don't like the court's result. All the court is doing is interpreting a statute. Go to Congress and get them to give the EPA the power you think it should have. I, what, Congress is part of the government of the United States. It's right. not just the president of the Supreme Court. There is a Congress. Right. Yeah, th- this is something that I, I remember, and this this affected my, my family personally, my wife having been a public school teacher, having paid unit to, union dues when the Janus decision came out five, six years ago, whenever that was, uh, indicating that they can't uh, compel uh, union dues from those who don't want to uh, be a part of that union. They, they can... Uh, uh, no longer be a part of it. And that was, and, and again, that was a thing that was a big so- source of contention. And you even, and I, I don't remember who wrote the opinion. Maybe you can refresh my memory, uh, Mr. Delahunty, but one of the dissenting opinions indicated how, uh, how heavily reliant these unions are on these dues and this funding. And, and I don't know it. Do you, do you recall decisions where you feel like some of these Supreme court justices, kind of seem to abandon the principle of law and get more into the editorializing and dare say even legislating from the bench? Because that, that, an opinion like that where you're opining, say, wow, these unions, they rely on these funds, these dues that think of the financial hardship they'd undergo if we uh, made this particular decision. That doesn't seem like they're following the merit of the law, Mr. Delahunty. <laughs> oh, no, I agree with you. Um, look, when he was up for confirmation as chief justice, John Roberts, I think, very interestingly compared the role of a judge or a justice to that of an umpire in a sports game. You know, the umpire is there to call balls and strikes, not to change the strike zone, depending on who the batter is or what team he wants to win or anything like that. This is a sort of neutral activity. I, I, your job in a case involving a statute is simply to try to read it so that it makes best sense, reflects what Congress said, uh, reflects what Congress aimed to do, um, your opinion shouldn't really matter. And so you do have even this term, you have justices who are considered conservatives, but they are allowing laws to stand um, that are usually thought to reflect left-wing interests, left-wing values, like animal welfare. The court upheld uh, a California statute that protected pigs mm. uh, from what the voters of liberal California considered cruel and inhumane treatment. Okay, I mean, this is what the job of a judge is, not to impose your personal values on anybody else, uh, but to allow the voters to decide except where the Constitution is implicated. Once again, we are joined by Robert Delahunty. He co-author with John Yu of a new book entitled The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. And basically, um, from what I'm getting this, uh, being an originalist, uh, interpreting the Constitution in its original intent is uh, somehow politically correct, as we're finding in a lot of outlets today. Um, Mr. Delahunty, we need to take a quick break. Any chance you can hold for just one final short segment with us? Of course. Sure. Fantastic. We'll be back with one final segment. With Robert Delahunty, again, he one of the co-authors of the book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. Obviously, some big decisions coming up this session. We'll get Mr. Delahunty's perspective on those that are forthcoming. And uh, we'll be back with one final segment on the broadcast. Me, Brad Carlson, in for Mitch Berg on the Headliner Edition 
of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. AM 1280, The Patriot. From Elk River to the Congo River and Cannon Falls to Niagara Falls, we go where you go. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station, and that is just patronize their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. Master Pool and Spa. Master Pool and Spa's huge truckload sale. Save up to 26 to 51%. Come in and we'll prove to you we have the best products at the lowest possible price. Master Pool and Spa is Minnesota's largest spa dealer. We have the largest selection at unbeatable prices. Drive a little and save a lot. Some of our clients have driven hundreds of miles because the deals are that good. Master Pool and Spa's huge truckload sale. It only happens once a year. Save up to 26 to 51%. Free delivery and trade-ins welcome. 18-month interest-free financing. This is a limited-time offer. Master Pool and Spa. Visit us today at 394 in Louisiana in St. Louis Park. Look for the big blue sign. Check us out online at masterpoolandspa.com. Masterpoolandspa.com. Or call us at 952-253-0665. That's 952-253-0665. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost seven percent of the more than half a million people who have tried relief factor end up ordering more that's because it works for them the way it works for me isn't it time for you to get out of pain your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only 19.95 go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer that's relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief feel the difference If you can snap your fingers, you can find this radio station. The next time you want to listen to us, your smartphone is now your smart radio. We're always on. It's as simple as this. Alexa, play the Patriot Minneapolis. That's play the Patriot Minneapolis. Hey, welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance. Sands the headliner, Mitch Berg, who was away on assignment. But fear not, Mitch, in for me tomorrow from 1 to 3. Yeah, it's me, Brad Carlson. Again, one final segment on the broadcast, uh, rejoined by our guest, Robert Delahunty. He, along with John Yu, co-authored a book entitled The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. And Mr. Delahunty, usually uh, the month of June is when key decisions are announced uh, based on the court's uh, oral arguments that have been heard in their most recent term. Uh, any uh, sneak preview that can you can give us, uh, kind of some uh, big high-profile cases that the court is uh, deciding this 
uh, particular session and what you anticipate uh, based on oral arguments, how they might uh, flesh out? Sure. Uh, I think Yogi Berra said uh, prediction is always tough, especially when you're talking about the future. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. But um, there's the big affirmative action case, affirmative action in higher education, a case involving a suit against Harvard. Um, and um, it's very hard to say exactly what the court will come out. Harvard receives federal funding, and so it's subject to civil rights laws. And they do encode the idea of uh, anti-discrimination, and Harvard has been discriminating in its admissions processes. So I would hope the court would uphold that and uphold the principle uh, that regardless of race or skin color, we are all equal citizens with the same rights before the law. Uh, There's the uh, Biden um, student debt relief case um, where with barely a nod, to Congress, and I'm sure the administration's lawyers, career lawyers, told the president what he was doing was illegal. But they absolved um, student debtors of much of their obligations to the federal government as disposing of federal property. The president just can't do that without authorization from Congress, which controls the purse strings. Purse strings. So I'm hoping that the court. Uh, will invalidate what Biden did. That's not to say we don't need to have some attention to student debt. It's a big problem, but the way he did it um, is the wrong way. Uh, There are a couple of cases about freedom of religion. One is a postal service worker who um, would like to have Sundays off so that he can meet his religious obligations, and the postal service is opposed to that. We'll see if the court accommodates or forces the Postal Service to accommodate uh, the religious beliefs of its employees. Um, There's a host of other cases, too, but those are three that occur to me. And um, the trend has been for the court to uphold religious liberties. And actually, this is a point I think your your listeners will appreciate. Uh, Originalism often generates case results that favor individual liberties. Uh, Last term, there was a case involving a high school football coach who lost his job because at the end of the game, he'd go off privately on the field and pray by himself. And he got fired for his private prayer on the theory that he was violating the clause of the Constitution that prohibits an establishment of, of of religion. And the court rolled that back and said, no, he's protected in the exercise of his speech and of his religious liberties. This is based on an originalist understanding of the First Amendment. And rather than cramping individual liberties, it it liberates them. It it gives us more scope um, to uh, overturn government interference with our lives and our beliefs. Very fascinating stuff. Yeah, obviously, uh, once those uh, decisions are handed down, we'll certainly uh, be interested in hearing uh, the uh, majority and dissenting opinions on those. Uh, you'd like to think there would be no dissenting opinions on some of these, uh, given the uh, <laughs> common sense that they come across. But uh, we, we know how, we kind of know how those uh, those things happen. We only have a couple minutes left with our guest, Robert Delahunty, co-author of the Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. Uh, Mr. Delahunty, I guess I'll end with this. Obviously, you've probably been paying attention to and as I mentioned at the outset, some uh, far-left Democrats in the U.S. Senate 
looking to try to delegitimize the court, trying to find uh, some improprieties among justices, whether it be Justice Roberts, Justice Alito, Justice Thomas. And then amazingly, after a lot of those allegations were thrown out, uh, purely coincidental, I'm sure, Mr. Delahunty, uh, there's a uh, law that they're trying to get passed to uh, uh, put more seats on the Supreme Court. Uh, what can you tell us about that? So, you know, I came across the other day an article by the late Justice Ginsburg, uh, defending judicial independence and attacking the idea that she wrote this in 2007. She attacked the idea of packing the court, and she attacked the idea that Congress could try to regulate the ethics of the Supreme Court justices. Look, um, Stephen Carter, who's a, prof- a liberal professor, a great guy, at the Yale Law School, published an op-ed recently, and he said, He said, I'm no defender of Clarence Thomas, but show me the rules Mm -hmm. that have been violated. Show me the ethics rules. There aren't any. They're going after people like Justice Neil Gorsuch because he left a blank on a disclosure form. Now, who knows why that happened? Maybe it was his secretary. Maybe it was an advertence on his part. These are not – when you compare these with the things that go on in Congress, (laughs) this this is a hoax. And it's part of a concerted attack on the integrity and the independence of the Supreme Court that goes back at least to the mob demonstration that – Senator Schumer led on the steps of the Supreme Court while it was hearing an oral argument, and he said, we're coming after you. I remember. Gorsuch, we're coming after you. Yep. You talk about incitement. Right. But what was that? And since that point, it's gone downhill. There's even been an attempt to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. The federal government, the Biden administration, and the Justice Department don't enforce the law, and protect the private homes of the justices. So this is just the latest turn of events in which liberals are going after the court with no foundation whatever. And let me tell you, the two sponsors in the Senate of this bill to oppose an ethics code on the Supreme Court are Sheldon Whitehouse, whose wife belongs to an all-white, exclusive all-white beach club in Rhode Island, and Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, who lied about his... Mr. Delahunty, I apologize. We only have 10 seconds remaining. I apologize for the interruption. We have to let you go. Thank you so much. The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court, folks. Check it out. You can get it on Amazon. Thanks for Mitch for allowing me to fill in. God bless you all. God bless America. Are you looking for trusted insight and knowledge on how the eyes reflect the connection between health, lifestyle, sports, and nutrition? Tune into my show, Open Your Eyes Radio, Saturday at 9 a.m. with me, Dr. Kerry Gell. I'm an optometrist with more than three decades of experience, a keen interest in longevity and lifestyle, with a never-ending focus on the four basic principles of health, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, and sleep. Listen and learn with me every Saturday at 9 a.m. here on AM 1280, The Patriot. This is an urgent announcement for anyone that's $10,000 or more in debt. Before you make another minimum payment, you need to know there are special programs that can completely free you of your debt. Total Financial Freedom can help you become debt-free in months instead of years. Resolve your credit card debt, signature loans, department store cards, internet loans, and timeshares. Call now at 800-533-6605 for a free consultation. For 16 years, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get out of debt. 
You can feel confident when calling because Total Financial Freedom is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and a Christian-owned company. Don't get stuck in the endless cycle of payments. You have the right to get your debt resolved and substantially reduce your monthly payments. Call Christian-owned Total Financial Freedom now at 800-533-6605. That's 800-533-6605. 800-533-6605. What does it mean to be a Christian woman in our current culture? How does your faith in Christ relate to the world around you? At times, being a Christian can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and challenging landscape. That's why you should visit iBelieve.com, a site designed for Christian women. Whether you're looking for insight, conversation starters for your church group, or just an uplifting message, you'll find it at iBelieve.com. Visit iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group. You're smart, you're busy, and don't have time to waste on the mainstream media cycle. Salem News Channel breaks that cycle. Topics that matter from hosts worth watching. Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. Salem News Channel, not like the other guys. Watch anytime on any screen, free, 24-7. Find everything you need to know at snc.tv. That's snc.tv. You want to feel important. You want to feel a part of something bigger, something that matters and can help change things. You want to feel like you belong. We felt that way too. I'm 2nd Lieutenant Logan Swanson from Rosemount, Minnesota, and that's why we did something about it. We aren't just Minnesota Army National Guard soldiers. We are people just like you, and together we can make a difference. Take on your legacy. Visit nationalguard.com forward slash MN to find out more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard and aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. AM 1280, the page.